Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Start Local, the podcast focused on helping businesses in Chester County, PA, and the greater Philly area as they try to navigate through the COVID-19 economy. My name's Joe Casabona, and before we bring in the rest of the folks on this fine show, I want to tell you about a very monthly, very free newsletter that Liam and I are starting over here called Start Local Monthly. You can sign up for free over at startlocal.co slash news. And the benefit of that is you will get recaps of our episodes from each week of the month. You'll get news around the county, maybe even some tips and tricks. We want to hear from you about that too. So whatever you want to know, we're open to feedback. But you will definitely get recaps of the show, takeaways, and news happening around the county. That's over at startlocal.co slash news for the totally free totally monthly newsletter. Okay. So with that out of the way, I want to bring in my fellow co-host, Liam Dempsey. Liam, how are you today? Hey, Joe. I'm fantastic. Thanks for asking. Absolutely. Absolutely. And our guest today is Josh Maxwell. He is a Chester County Commissioner, and we are going to be talking about some current events related to COVID-19 around uh, uh, communication and local school challenges and things like that. But first, Josh, how are you? I am doing great, Joe and Liam, and thank you so much for having me. I want to let you know I did just sign up for your newsletter. Why are you doing that perfectly nice introduction? So we we were plus one on the newsletter so far, and we haven't even posted the podcast yet. Uh, Awesome. Awesome. uh, So yeah, I'm Josh Maxwell. I've been on the board of commissioners since January before that, spent 10 years as the mayor in Downingtown, lifelong Chester County guy. And, uh, you know, we spent more time in a a pandemic than not uh, during our first year in office, but uh, here to help as best we can. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I, uh, I, I mean, we didn't talk about this before the show, mostly because I, I was embarrassed to to have to clarify that. But I thought you were the same, Josh Maxwell. I just recently moved, bought a house in Downingtown, so. Uh, I've heard your name around and things like that. So uh, very cool. Well, thank you for that introduction for uh, for who you are and what you do. Now, I know Liam has some well-worded questions here that he just sent me for the show notes. So I'll throw it over to Liam for the first one. Hey, Josh. Thanks for joining us today. I know you and your, your colleagues at the county are busy, so thanks for making the time. With so many different grant and loan programs available at the federal, state, and even county level, it all gets a bit muddled in where support is coming and from where. And I think it's important, particularly from a local business perspective, to know that not only is our state, but our county is is working just as hard as we are to, to keep our businesses afloat and surviving. Can you talk about what the county, what Chester County has done in the six months of COVID-19 and really to support local businesses and local nonprofits? Yes. Uh, and Liam, I really appreciate uh, the question. Uh, just kind of, we're very proud of our business community. Uh, uh, having a thriving economy here is part of our culture. That's uh, why people move here. So we realize as a government, it's really important um, from the get-go to partner with our business community to make sure that uh, we're doing everything we can to make sure people are afloat. Our earlier, I think we had a first COVID case on March 13th. Um, and saw the ramp up around the country, realizing it was coming our way uh, quickly and uh, limitations in stopping it um, certainly existed. So we pulled together uh, uh, business minds and and implemented a a grant program, uh, essentially an emergency grant program for folks who weren't able to pay their rent, small Main Street businesses, grants 
capped at 25K. Um, uh, so we were just so worried about people uh, in May not being able to get to July. Uh, so we did a round of $5 million grants just to make sure people can make it till the summer and then we could readjust and figure out what industries are most hurt, uh, what industries are okay. Um, I go to Home Depot once a week. I'm also a new uh, downtown homeowner. Uh, so back and forth to Home Depot. Uh, they seem to be okay, uh, but the restaurants in between uh, certainly are not. So now we're putting, pulling together pieces to figure out how we can work together as we to both advocate for our businesses that are struggling uh, and maybe tailor our investments into uh, the sectors that need it. Um, uh, another thing, and I think you touched on it, Liam, uh, was that uh, there's all these grants out there. There were state, there was federal, uh, county, and then hosts of other things that were available, PPP. Um, so we launched a website, RestoreChesterCounty.org, which was a one-stop shop for any questions someone might have. Uh, I think we were able to pull $225 million in grant funding from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania into Chester County. I think we received the most grant funding from the state just because we made the system as, as, as simple as possible. And we partnered with the Economic Development Council uh, to help uh, uh, make that happen. So if you go to restorechesterkind.org, you can see all the guidelines from CDC, the Pennsylvania Department of Health, the county, uh, where we are in phases, um, and you don't have to click through to any other government websites. Everything you need should be right there embedded. Uh, and uh, there's also an email and a phone number. If you have any questions, just business at chesco.org. And please, you know, encourage businesses to fire away what grant funding's out there for my type of business, uh, what type of loan programs are available for my type of business, what type of rental assistance is available for my type of business. Um, so we have a hotline, an email address for people to call, um, and our team's uh, 24-7, well, not 24-7, but every day available for help. <laughs> yeah, you've mentioned the website, uh, the RestoreChesterCounty.org, and there's a, another website that the URL is long enough that I'm not going to try to rattle it off, but it launched, uh, and it displays data. It launched pretty quickly into COVID-19, early March, April, and it tracks the, the medical side of COVID-19 in Chester County cases by township level and, and sadly deaths and the like. Uh, in addition to Restore Chester County. So as a business owner, I, I've noticed that the, the county has made communication a priority uh, during this challenging time. But also as a business owner, I know that when our to-do list is very, very long and the deadlines are all kind of all due today, communication can go out the window because we're getting the work done. But that hasn't happened with Chester County from where I'm sitting. And I wonder if you can talk about the the mindset and what you and your team are doing to ensure that communication stays a priority when, you know, at some level communication, it's difficult to kind of manage that and see that as a deliverable, right? Because it's not putting together the loan program. It's not making sure these services are available. Yeah, you got to make sure people know about the loan program. But but talk about how, how you and your, your colleagues at, at Chester County have made that a priority and what that looks like in kind of a day-to-day office environment. Sure. Uh, uh, culture is everything. Uh, when we got started, we have two new people on the board um, this year, and uh, we wanted transparency to be a priority for us uh, in our first year in office. And we set up things like a transition team, which is really just a way to get smart people to give you free advice. <laughs> uh, you know, executives from companies like Vanguard, and I think it's, it was chaired by the president of the Westchester University, and they were going to look at everything and give us recommendations. Um, but then COVID happened. And I came from a government, government standpoint, a, a small town. I was mayor in, in a town of 9,000 people for 10 years. And 
the emails you would get, people knew what a mayor did. It would be policing or it would be trash pickup or snow removal. And people would call or email and say, hey, this is a problem I need to fix. In county government, you don't really have that back and forth because you're, you know, just paying the mortgage on the courthouse. You know, your trains are running on time. Human services is really important. But as long as the deeds get recorded, the wills get recorded, you know, there's not a whole lot of back and forth like, Josh, I need you right now to fix this thing. Um, but COVID happened and people started tuning into to county government. And what we were saying, is, I think, a way that hasn't happened in decades or usually doesn't happen with county. There's people tuning into to mayors of large cities, governors of places like New York doing press conferences every day. Um, and people started going to our website in historic numbers. Um, so we wanted to open source as much information as possible, realizing that people were watching the news every day. Many people were scared, if not all people were scared. I certainly was. Um, and we wanted to get as much information out there and just trust our public to make the right decisions moving forward. Uh, so, you know, we're wearing masks, uh, how, our, whether, what our positivity rate is, is it 7%, whether it's 3.5%. People really know what to do at this point based on where those numbers are. So we just wanted a dashboard that we could frequently update. Um, people would look at every day. People would read our newsletters, uh, read uh, social media accounts, and get that information. And we really trust the Chester County public to make the right decisions if we open source the information as it came in. And so that was a big party of us. And I would say, generally, the public in Chester County really has. Um, we've had some of the lowest uh, COVID spread in Southeast PA. Um, extraordinarily proud of that. Um, and uh, people are generally uh, doing uh, right by uh, uh, the health recommendations. Uh, and, and so, you know, I think we're just kind of, as you mentioned, Liam, we're, we're in a good place uh, geographically um, and in a neighborly type of way. Um, so it's, you know, I, I'll walk down the street and people say, hey, I saw the dashboard today. Why are our numbers up by 10? I'm like, well, you know, two families, <laughs> you know, uh, add up to 10. And, and uh, you know, we contact rates and, and we're going to make sure everyone's safe. Um, and so that's the, the kind of way it worked out is, you know, we started getting a lot of attention. I, you know, tweet out the COVID numbers and, you know, some of the largest, you know, uh, shared uh, social media I've ever had. Um, and it's good that people are paying attention. I just want to jump in there because I, I, you know, I know a lot of people from other parts of the country. My brother Robbie works at Disney World, uh, so he's right in Orlando and, and in Florida and things like that. And people are asking me how it's going here. Well, my wife is a nurse, and before she went out on maternity leave, uh, I don't think they had any COVID cases, and that was like end of June. Um, and and it really speaks volumes to how well you know our area has handled it. So. For those of you who who maybe are not in Chester County or are not looking at the numbers, you know, the way that maybe me or Liam or Josh do, um, I've been really impressed with with this area's response. And I'm 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 proud to to live here in a place where, you know, the community does does right by the rest of the community. I think it's important just to mention is, you know, we expect these waves. There's always one big wave and usually a smaller wave with the pandemic, and people know this. They've seen all the graphics, but, you know, some weeks are going to be really good weeks and some weeks are going to be bad weeks in terms of a spread of a pandemic. Fourth of July was a really bad week for us where our numbers really spiked. Um, so we didn't sugarcoat any of that. If we have a good week or a good month, we say, hey, we had a good week, we had a good month. Keep it up. If we have a bad week, we say, we had a bad week. You know, it's going to delay school starting or something. It could delay school starting, but here are the numbers. So we're not hiding anything. We're not twisting one way or the other. It's the same positivity rate. It's the same cases. Uh, it's the same amount of fatalities. Um, we don't uh, alter our numbers in any way. We just open them up 
if our numbers go high, people know to stay home more. If they're low, um, people start to feel a little more comfortable. Yeah, from a business standpoint, that makes a lot of sense. You know, we can we can have an intellectual bit debate about what is the right infection rate for, to open businesses. But if if we can't agree on what the infection rate is, it makes it hard for us to really set policy. And certainly we hear from businesses that one of the biggest challenges of COVID-19 is the unexpected nature of everything. And and plans are this this week and next the next week and the week following, they're on to something different. So the, the level of transparency uh, around the information has been really helpful. I wonder if you can talk just a little bit about the logistics of what that means uh, in terms of, well, okay, we're going to do all these things. we got to share this information. You and the team at the, at the county have agreed this. We're going to do this. Transparency is going to be our, our watchword, if you will. Information flow is going to be it. But someone's got to build the website. Someone's got to get the data together. Somebody's got to make sure. It's, I mean, to be a bit silly about it, are there typos describing what the program is? Somebody's got to proofread that if we're going to put it out there. What is, what is, yeah, yeah, typos, we all make them, right? It's most embarrassing when we spell our own name wrong on our own website, and I've certainly been there. Uh, but 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 talk about that. What does that look like as a, as a you know, again, as an office project, there's a cost to that. There's a time to that. And what does that mean for you and your team? Uh, it's an incredibly impressive. And I will say as a new employee of the county and one of the newest employees of the county, <laughs> there's 2,400 employees in county government, fourth largest employer in the county, and I'm probably one of the newest. Uh, we declared a, a, a declaration of emergency in, I believe, March. Uh, what happened was the health department essentially took over what's called an emergency operations center. So they came down from, I think, the third floor, 150 health employees, and took over what would what you would picture as like a county version of a situation room, except much bigger. There's maps on the wall, there's graphics, there's counts, there's fatality rates, there's hospital beds, ICUs, all this data that you could just look up and see from any part of this large room. And the employees took over where you'd have emergency services personnel typically sitting. And now the room's being run by uh, health, uh, public health experts answering the phone, directing uh, masks to hospitals, to Fairmont Hospital, to a long-term care facility, uh, calling the head of all 70 long-term care facilities was really, really important back in March and April. Who, how many people, how many masks do you need? We'll drop them off. People getting in cars and driving them right to the long-term care facilities. There's a whole data team building that um, uh, dashboard you talked about, updating it constantly and double-checking the map. Because as soon as you have math that's incorrect, I realize people aren't going to trust the next number you post, even if it was a typo. You have to triple check it. If you're a government right now, make sure what you're posting is correct. Otherwise, people are going to say, that's not true. I don't believe you. Um, so we've had numbers come through the state. How it works right now is, say, Chester County Hospital has 10 positive cases today. That gets uploaded to a state dashboard. That information database gets downloaded by the Chester County Health Department based on who are those 10 people live here? Now, those 10 at Chester County Hospital, nine might live in Chester County. One might be a Delaware County resident or Montgomery County resident. So that has to be filtered out. They check the addresses. They call the folks to make sure it was them. Uh, there was you know, a lot of John Smiths in the world, right? Uh, so they go through, check all that, and then they contact trace. A whole team of people, who have you been in contact with? And since we've gone from uh, long-term care facilities and seniors having a huge rise in cases and fatalities and the, the rush to get those help, now we're into the younger folks, the, the 15 to the 30 age range, which are allowed to spread. And a lot of those folks don't like being known as the person at the party who maybe had COVID-19 and found out about two days later and then calling their friends and saying, hey, you know, everyone's quarantining for 14 days. Uh, 
the work that this health department has done uh, to come down into a situation where they really haven't been in before, a pandemic, a worldwide pandemic coming to Chester County and just owning that physical space, putting up those charts, calling health executives, uh, like a pen minutes and saying, this is what we're going to do today. Um, it's been incredibly, uh, just, just remarkable. They really, they called it like, it was like being, finding out you're playing a Super Bowl uh, against all odds and you're just like Rocky Balboa. There's, there's like, we're not prepared. They just, there's no way to expect this to happen in my life, uh, but we're prepared to, to run with it. Um, and just so proud of, of the work they've done and, uh, and setting up that dashboard um, and checking the data, which is a huge, I, I would say is more work um, and important work before it goes up every day between noon and 1 p.m. Um, it's just, uh, it's amazing. We're very, we're very lucky. And they're all underpaid. They're all overworked. Um, it's, it's remarkable. Yeah, I didn't realize that the data checking was that granular. I thought it was relatively automated. You know, the hospitals output the data. Maybe it feeds into Johns Hopkins and it circulates out and it's just API to API to API. I didn't realize for the data to go onto the site. I mean, I get the follow-up and the, tra- the track and trace, but that's that's a lot of work. So please do uh, take a moment uh, to stop by that room when you get a chance and, and thank them for us. I appreciate it. Josh, with, with local schools still delivering virtual learning, childcare is a challenge for many parents and families in Chester County. We're hearing that in Downingtown Area School District and other school districts in the area. We're looking at reopening on a, some kind of staggered um, basis in the next month or two, numbers allowing, but we're getting a lot more communication from the leadership of the school district about it. What is the ch- county doing to help parents and families deal with the many, many challenges of both children at home who are normally in school and then getting them to school uh, in ways that maybe, you know, the bus system isn't going to be able to handle or who knows where all, how it's all going to fold. How's, uh, how's Chester County preparing for all of this? Well, it's difficult. Um, in, in a place like Chester County, we have the population of Wyoming for the size of Rhode Island. Uh, we have diversity in academic opportunities, private schools, public schools, charter schools, online charter, online public. Um, and it's tough to create a policy that applies to a private school with 100 students and a place like Downingtown, which has 13,000 um, busing. And we also don't know how parents are going to react to schools opening up. Are not 80, 50% of parents going to drive the kids to school instead of on the bus? If they do, busing might be okay. You can have one kid per seat. Or 80, oh, but are 80% going to put their kids on buses? If so, we might need more buses. So Oz is just feeling our way out and trying not to put ourselves in a position where anyone gets sick or we have to go backwards in terms of recommendations. Um, and so what the health department decided to do off the bat was we're going to, realizing we had a spike in July, not recommend schools opening until October. Recommend, not require. Knowing full well that many schools are going to decide to do what they want anyway. And God, and God bless. Um, and parents have the right to make a decision for their children as far as I'm concerned. So uh, we waited and watched to see what happened. Keep track of outbreaks every day. Uh, we get a list of outbreaks in Chester County. So far, so good uh, regarding schools. Um, and kind of wait and see. And then, and, and then let these schools start realizing their capacity. You know, how are the hallways? How many rooms are there? Can they do a hybrid situation? A, was it A, C, F, or whatever? Um, and kind of just give them everything they need uh, uh, and be there to support them along the way and, and, and just keep moving slow steps forward and not get too far ahead of ourselves, realizing this is a, 
a push on families and, and appreciative and um, there to help. The county is right now considering two things, support for schools and support on childcare. Um, early on, it became very clear to me that uh, people weren't going to be able to work if their kids were virtual learning at home. Um, the YMCA and others have programs where the kids can go there and set up computers and they'll be there to support them. But there really isn't that opportunity not, uh, available for enough uh, parents in Chester County. So I can't sit my head too much on that. But um, by the end of the day, we should have some programs, the outlines of some programs for childcare and to support schools that have chosen to reopen higher. And, you know, when you look at Chester County, you have schools that have just tremendous capacity um, to be supportive of their kids, just a really good tax base, you know, uh, you know, just already have the computers to give the kids who, who need them. And then we have other schools that might need some more support where they don't have the tax base where the kids, you know, a larger percentage of the kids might not have computers and the school doesn't have the capacity to buy them. So we're looking at the way we're looking at right now, the way the counties can possibly fill, fill, fill those gaps and create some uh, as best you can in any uh, situation, but especially a pandemic, create some equity in education, which is difficult to do in any day. Uh, but maybe this is an opportunity to, to move the ball in that direction. Um, and I'll just add, you know, regarding uh, going back to a previous point and a previous question, uh, something occurred to me, and that's that we we were thinking about the short term in 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 May and June and July, and getting people just to stay in their businesses, stay in their things. But now we're putting together a, a task force a restored just kind of task force for the next uh, year and a half. You know, what industries are going to need support? And we have, I think, 22 leaders throughout Chester County from businesses to Chamber of Commerce, economic development experts, education, um, and, and those of us in government. And we're working hand in hand on like a two-tier uh, uh, phase. Uh, phase one will be uh, short-term strategies for 21 sectors, um, creating actionable steps that the county can take to help get us up and going. Um, the second phase is a larger, broader, long-term recovery plan that addresses uh, overall recovery from economic impacts of COVID-19 and how we can strengthen our economic viability moving forward, making sure Chester County stays that economic power in Pennsylvania. And I think Pennsylvania needs us to be that from a tax perspective, from a government perspective. For Pennsylvania to get back on its feet, Chester County needs to be leading that charge. So uh, we're getting the ball rolling on that, and we should have some uh, uh, announcements coming, coming over the next few months and recommendations from our task force. That's really fantastic. And I appreciate you walking through both kind of the logistics of getting all of the information available for transparency's sake and and the considerations that you're making for schools and childcare and things like that. And as you said, nothing's public as we record this, but it will be soon. Uh, if people want to learn more, where can they find you and where can they find this information? Uh, you can find me on any uh, social media account. <laughs> uh, <laughs> DMs are open. Uh, Restore Chester County is a great resource for the business community. Email, phone number, responses right away. It's designed uh, to be that way. So I think Restore Chester County, the government website is chesco.org. Fantastic. And I will link all of those resources over on startlocal.co in the show notes for this episode. Uh, Josh, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks, Josh. Take care. All right, and thanks to everybody out there listening. Until next time, stay safe out there.